JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Andy Moore on the Motive Group Hotline. The voice of the Colts is going to thoroughly enjoy being welcomed in right now with some of this conversation. Matt Taylor is with us. Hello, Matt. How we doing, fellas? Yeah, Friday afternoon, little uh, adult adult film conversation. I, I would expect <laughs> nothing less. Hey, if it's Monday through Sunday, it's adult film conversation time, Matt Taylor. Remember that. I'm just glad Matt didn't come on doing the Chris Hagen imitation he did at the uh, the comedy show. <laughs> Good grief! <laughs> Wait a minute! No, 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 no! Can you do that again? No, Matt? no, he doesn't. He can forgot. you break? Can you break it out again now? Wait a minute! He forgot. I'm going to make it. sure from Hagen. You're not going to be mad. No, I'm like fine. You put me on ghost status for a month after. I think this will only be a this will be right? a three day offense. I don't know if you're going to get butt hurt. I'm not going to. No, I'm fine. It. I'm fine. It's, I'll just be mad at Matt. Go ahead, Matt. All right, Matt. Go ahead. No, I didn't. I didn't do an impression of Chris. I just said, you know, the funny thing about Chris showing up to do the comedy special is, we actually didn't invite him that night. He just called two, three, nine, ten, seventy, and won tickets on the Dan Dockett show. <laughs> and you know, Chris, Chris gets up there and he's like, yeah, I, hey, give it up for Chris again. I know he was like two comedians ago, but hey, give it up. He tried. You know, even though it's even though it's clearly laundry day. Man, you guys, you see, you guys were so good at that. I just went out there and just see, I wanted to see how many F-bombs I could drop in like 10 minutes. You did a good job, though. Yeah, I did a good job of that. I accomplished that. Job well done. But no, no, I was really good. Hey, I'm curious. A week, and I asked this of Mike Wells a little bit earlier, a week of of chaos, certainly, uh, surrounding the Colts last week, seems to have settled down a little bit this week. What, what, give me a comparison from what you went through covering that scene last week compared to you know, so far where we are on this Friday of, I guess, week number two, even though it's one week so far. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's night and day, which, which sounds crazy to say because he's only, I mean, less than two weeks on the job here. But this week compared to last week is certainly a lot of more, it's a lot more normal. Uh, he's found some more normalcy this week than last week. I mean, you think about it. He basically got the keys to the the complex Monday at seven o'clock, and then had to go into meetings after he does the press conference, and he has to interview offensive coaches, and he has to find a play caller. And then the next day, he has to meet the team and introduce himself and sort of uh, you know start the culture that he wants to build. And so this week, the fact that he had you know an entire Monday at his disposal, um, you know, to get ready for the next game, I think he's. Uh, you know, comparatively speaking, light years uh, ahead of where he was, you know, a week ago. So, um, you know, it's going to be fun. He's going to go back, and it's going to be his first home game. I'm sure the, the crowd's going to be juiced. And, 
you know, when you think about it from that standpoint, the last time the Colts played a home game, uh, you know, Sam Ellinger was the quarterback. Uh, Jeff Saturday was in the building, but to, you know, bang the anvil for his, you know, former teammate Tark Glenn, who was going to the Ring of Honor later that day at halftime. Uh, you know, Frank Reich was still the, uh, you know, the head coach. So, I mean, if you think about it from home game to home game, how much has transpired and how much uh, has changed surrounding this franchise, it's pretty crazy to think about. But, you know, they went out and, and they beat an NFL team last week. And I know it's the Raiders, and I know they're not very good, and they're 2-7, and seven, and they're on a three-game losing skid, but they're still an NFL team. So from that standpoint, the Colts, you know, kind of pulled it together and, um, you know, congratulated themselves for what they accomplished in whatever it was, four or five days with all that chaos going on around them. But this is obviously a much stiffer test in the Eagles, and uh, it's a home game, and we'll see how this team responds. Hey, Matt, uh, Jeff even said on Wednesday about how big a difference it is that just to have that 12 hours on Monday, just, you know, just to have that, it might not seem like much, but it's really huge. I'm curious about the mood in the building when you when you snap a, a three-game losing streak. Just how it makes everything a little a little better, a little more pep in the step, just from from top to bottom of the organization. Oh yeah, I mean when you're in it every day, I mean you see all these guys. I mean you walk down the hallway and you you're going to the bathroom, you're going to the break room, or you see guys in the the lunch, you know, the cafeteria area. I mean, guys just are, are smiling and they're in a better mood. And, you know, there's just there's more energy uh, about the building and there's a better atmosphere, certainly, you know, within the work environment. And from my perspective, I mean, hell yeah. I mean, it, it is so much easier to do my job when they win, right? I mean, I'm always going to be objective just like you guys and, and tell it like it is and, and bring up the facts. But at the same rate, it's it's all always oh, it I mean back in the day it was easier to to talk with uh Chuck Pagano after a win it was easier to talk with Frank Reich after a win just like it was easy to do the Monday night show with with uh, Jeff Saturday after a win so from that standpoint it was good to see the three game losing streak be snapped and uh, have some positive things to talk about and hopefully this team can build off of that and, and generate some momentum here with seven games to go because I heard you guys talking about it earlier um, and you're right. I mean, the, the schedule d- definitely stiffens up. I mean, you know, you got the Giants coming up, the Eagles coming up, Dallas, the Chargers. Uh, in fact, the Colts have the second uh, most difficult strength of schedule in the NFL remaining. I think their opponents are they're like they have like a six eleven winning percentage the rest of the right. way here. So if they're going to get on a run, um, it's gonna it's gonna entail them winning some really big games and sending a message to the NFL that. You know, their slow start was a fluke, and they are, you know, one of the better teams in the NFL by beating some of the teams that I think are going to be in the playoffs when it's all said and done here in January. Hey, Matt, you make a great point, too. I I said this earlier. I don't even think you can even think about the possibility of a path until you win this game Sunday. I don't even think, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's a great story last week, and I'm, again, but as far as what we're talking about, you know, moving forward or fans kind of, you know, engaging with possibilities or postseason paths, I don't even think you can begin to even contemplate that until you win on Sunday. This is me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, you, you, you've, you've dug yourself such a hole that every game here going forward is going to be so important, and Four, five, and one. If you can get this game on Sunday, all of a sudden you're five and five, or five, five, and one. You're five hundred going into Thanksgiving, and to steal a line from thank, or uh, to steal a line from Rick Venturi, uh, you know, once you hit Thanksgiving, like it's 
it's a dead sprint to the finish. Like there's different phases of the NFL season. Like there's the start and then there's somewhere like in the middle, that progress report time, you know, like mid to late October. And then that third phase is like right now. But then after Thanksgiving, you know, December, early January, now that we're playing 17 games, that's the sprint. And that's where you need to be playing your best football, but it's going to coincide with the Colts having to play their best in order to beat the best. And um, I I just think if they can get this game, that'll just do wonders mentally and psychologically inside that locker room. And I think it'll just increase the believability factor. Like, hey, we just beat, you know, we're 2-0 with an interim head coach that's on us in terms of accountability, a breath of fresh air, and we just beat maybe the best team in the NFL. We're pretty good, and we can we can put this thing together, and we can go on a little bit of a run here. But I think you have to have that win on Sunday in order to get there. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Remember Sunday, 9 a.m. I start to ride the kickoff, touchdown town. We go the Colts pregame huddle from 10 until noon, and then Matt and Rick and Lara take over for a countdown to kickoff from noon until one. Kickoff week 11 with the Eagles and the Colts is coming your way at 1 o'clock. And Matt's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So there was a bit of an illness that was floating around the locker room this week. Did I hear that accurately? Yeah, there's something going around, man. It's not COVID, but there is a little bit of a bug going around. And you got some heavy hitters dealing with it. Kenny Moore and Zaire Franklin. I saw Isaiah Rogers dealing with it as well. So maybe it's in that like that, that defensive room or that defensive secondary room. And, um, yeah, just, just crazy to think that, um, you know, something like that can just spread, you know, so fast and, and get into guys' system. I mean, I don't think we should be surprised by that, I guess, with, with COVID. But, um, you know, some other teams in the, uh, around the league are dealing with it as well. You know, Jeff Saturday said today it's just kind of that, that time of year when, you know, people start getting viruses and colds and the sniffles and stuff like that. So it's, it's been significant enough where guys have been held out of practice you know, so then you would kind of assume it's got a, a respiratory, um, you know, it's got uh, you know, either things inside your body that would prevent you from, um, you know, being able to deal with that, you know, exerting your body the way those guys have to. Um, so we'll see how that affects the game and some of these guys' status for Sunday. Um, but you just hope that uh, guys can get right and healthy in 48 hours here. That offensive line played arguably its best game of the season this past Sunday in Vegas. That's something you think is, is withstanding. I will say this, um, it, it, and, and it, uh, I'm trying not to take anything away from the effort because who they were playing in Vegas, but they did a lot of things, including opening up some holes, finally, for Jonathan Taylor that we had not seen consistently at all this season. So how much are you looking into maybe a carryover from Vegas to Sunday from that old line, Matt? Yeah, I'm actually very hopeful. I'm pretty optimistic that it can carry over because I thought they played their best game of the season. I agree with you, despite the fact they were playing the Raiders. And I also think there's no coincidence that Matt Ryan had maybe his best game of the season um, because the offensive line allowed him to protect. I mean, 28 pass attempts, he was only sacked once, and even that I don't think was on the offensive line. Uh, He was only hit one other time. Um, so I think they may have found something here. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the proof's going to be in the pudding, but I, I'm confident in Bernard Ryman at left tackle. I'm confident in Will Fries at right guard. I think they may have found something there in terms of mojo and a mesh with those five guys, um, but we'll see. But, I mean, if you look at the Eagles, they're a pretty good defensive unit. In fact, they're top. I think they have the third best 
defense in terms of overall total defense, you know, like yards allowed. But they have been very, very susceptible um, to giving up big games on the ground. I mean, they allowed 150 yards to the commanders on Monday, and they just ball controlled the heck out of them. I mean, they had 40 minutes of time of possession. Um, but if you look at their numbers deeper, they've allowed a, like an average of 140 rushing yards per game in their last five games. Um, now, they've got some injuries on their defensive line. They've had to, you know, sign a bunch of guys to maybe, you know, add some depth with Linval Joseph, and they signed Indomitian Sue yesterday. But those guys, I don't know if they're going to have enough time to get up to speed and play and have a significant impact in this game. So I'm actually confident that the Colts' offensive line will be able to carry over what they did last week. Plus, Jonathan Taylor looks healthy, ready to go, being able to rip off big runs. So I think the Colts' ground game might be kind of hitting their stride here heading into Week 11. Hey, last time we checked, A.J. Brown was in a Titans uniform when he was in Lucas Oil Stadium and and having his way with the uh, Colts secondary a year ago. Um, Obviously, having a nice season in his first season in an Eagles uniform, I want to ask you about that, and then when when you look at what he adds to that offense, what he brings to the table, how much is taken away with that injury we saw to Dallas Goddard, the tight end, on Monday night? Yeah. No, to your point, I mean, the last time he played the Colts, he's a Colts killer, man. Uh, But the last time, ironically, was on Halloween 2021 in that second game with the Titans at Lucas Oil Stadium, and he had 10 for 155 and a 57-yard touchdown. So – I mean, in recent past, now I know, you know, this past season, Derrick Henry's had some big runs and some big games. But in recent past, it hasn't been the running game for the Titans that's beat the Colts. It's, it was A.J. Brown. And so to have him not in the division uh, going into this season, you know, you were excited about that. But unfortunately, you know, the Colts still got swept by Tennessee. So it, it didn't matter from that standpoint. Uh, but he's coming back and he's familiar with this defense. Uh, he's familiar with, with the setting, if you will, at Lucas Oil Stadium. But I'm with you. I think Dallas Goddard and that injury, um, you know, they were kind of like a three-pronged attack there with Brown, Hurts, and Goddard. And without him, I think that's a big blow. And we're going to figure out, you know, what their offense uh, is and what it looks like without him because tight end-wise, they just don't have a lot of pop and versatility um, with, with without him in the lineup. I mean, uh, no offense to, you know, guys named Jack Stoll and – and Grant Calcaterra, but, I mean, these are probably tight end names that most Colts fans uh, have never heard before. Um, so we'll see if the Colts can take advantage of that because with all that Goddard can do, especially in the red zone, he just puts stress on you. And it's he's sort of a mismatch, you know, uh, a hybrid matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. How do you line up against a guy like that? So to not have him out there in the lineup I think is good news for the Colts. And hopefully this defense can keep on humming because it's going to be great on great when the Eagles have the ball versus the Colts defense. You're talking about two top five units. And without Goddard out there, I think that's an advantage for the Colts if they can contain Jalen Hurts in the running game. All right, Matt, one final quick thing with you regarding this matchup on Sunday. When you look at Parks Frazier, his first game of calling the plays, did a great job, and I thought overall they did a great job by keeping it as simple as possible. What did they learn, you think, from that Washington win on Monday night, and how will they put that into good use for that matchup on Sunday with the play calling in mind? Yeah, it's a copycat league. I mean, that's a great question because, I mean, the commanders may have just laid out the blueprint to beat them, 
You know, that's like I said, it was ball control. They had the ball for 40 plus minutes. It's crazy to go back and look at that box score because the Commanders attempted 22 third downs for the for the game. I mean, that's crazy, right? It's not it's not conversions, but just 22 third down attempts. So it just it just kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, I think they had 50 rushing attempts. So they just tried to limit the possessions uh, of the Eagles, and it worked. I mean, they won by two scores. I know they got a late touchdown, uh, you know, there at the end of the game. But um, you know, the Colts are going to try and do that. Maybe they try to replica, or excuse me, replicate, I should say, what they did a couple years ago to the Chiefs. You know, that game on Sunday Night Football in 2019, where they ball controlled Kansas City. Uh, they kept Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. They limited their possessions. Uh, I, I think, again, if the Colts can duplicate what they did on the ground last Sunday against the Raiders in this game, that'll give them a good chance to win. I mean, you know, if you take a, an Eagles team that's averaging 12 to 13 possessions and you give them only eight or nine, um, obviously you have to be efficient on your own on offense. But I think that would bode well for the Colts in this game. So we'll see if they can, you know, continue to run the ball well and control the clock and kind of play the game at their pace because the commander certainly did and they proved that the Eagles they're not invincible I mean they're a great team but you know they're not the the 85 Bears or the you know insert team here whatever I mean so I I think they're a great team but certainly they've got chinks in their armor that the Colts can uh can exploit I remember it was the 85 Bears back in November of 85 that lost down in about this time of year I believe lost in Miami their only loss of the season when the Dolphins and Dan Marino and Mark Clayton and Mark Duper and yeah, Tony Nathan yeah. just shredded them offensively. And as a Bear, I was a Bears fan back in the day. I was a huge Bears fan, and that made me sick. Fifteen years old made me sick. That's what I should have said. I should have said the '72 Dolphins because they're the ones that were, they, were, they, yeah. they were the ones popping tops on Tuesday morning or probably late yeah. Monday night after the Eagles suffered their first loss. Right? That's what they do on an annual basis now. Yep. All right. Well, you're coming our way at noon, right? Following uh, uh, countdown to kickoff is what you have, but the Colts pregame huddle will take you uh, to you and Rick and Lara get set for what should be an interesting game coming up on Sunday down at Lucas Oil Stadium. Matt, appreciate you very much. Have a great weekend. Hey, man, you too. Appreciate you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Indiana Sports Talk tonight, 9.30, and tomorrow night at 9.30, and tonight's going to be a humdinger because there's going to be a lot of semi-state Outcome talking up from Bob Lovell, who joins us now from our central Indiana 14 and all CarX locations, CarX.com to find the one nearest you today. Uh, somebody had mentioned Monrovia to me, and I was actually going to start out with the Bulldogs of Monrovia. What an incredible postseason they have had. And the latest in the regional final going down to Spencer and knocking off previously unbeaten Owen Valley. Got a long trek today in 3A for the Dogs. On the road at Lawrenceburg tonight, Bob. Well, John, it's, it has been a tremendous run, as you point out. They were uh... – you know, a team that came in with a losing record at the beginning of the tournament and have been on that classic run uh, and have, have beaten some really, really good teams to get where they are. And as you mentioned, 
Um, that's a long drive down to Lawrenceburg. And Lawrenceburg's been ranked in the top ten, top five most of the year. Uh, you just wonder if the magic can continue for one more week because it's been so much fun to see a group of guys get better and better and come together and play tremendous football right now. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk is going to have you covered coming up later on tonight in what is going to be a fantastic Friday night. On the other side of 3A, Bob Chittard and Wes Lafayette coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Those two are really good. Both are, John, both are tremendous football teams. And the thing about them is they're consistently that good. I mean, year after year, they're at or near the top of the 3A poll. We know that Chittard has won it before multiple times. Um, this is just one of those great matchups between, quite frankly, two teams that, that could win state the state championship. And it's one of those where I'm not sure anybody has an advantage, maybe West Lafayette because they're at home. But beyond that, these are two evenly matched teams and, Shadard, you know, had a little down year yet last year, bounced back playing Shadard football, and it's a West Lafayette team. I think it's one of those deals, John, where you, you look at it where Shadard's played a little bit better of a schedule, and you wonder if that doesn't help you when you get in a situation like this. Well, I mean, you wonder that, too, and I guess we'll go to Hamilton Southeastern in a battle of unbeatens in 6A. The North Division here, Hamilton Southeastern's had a fantastic season. They get a Carroll team that's also unbeaten, but do you also question the schedule strength between the two as maybe an edge for HSE going into that game tonight? Well, it's a big if. I mean, if, if there is an edge, maybe that might be it. But, you know, Fort Wayne football's pretty good. Uh, although I do think that, you know, Central Indiana, if you look at historically, uh, who's won championships uh, and it's gone their way in the last few years. I think it's a tremendous game, to be honest. I know, you know, with uh, the, the success that Mike Kelly and his team have had, you know, they've beaten, as you point out, some really, really, really good teams. You run the table uh, in central Indiana, playing in the yeah. conference you're playing in. That's impressive. And that's equally impressive to go undefeated up in Fort Wayne. But, it's going to be a tremendous game. It's been an HSE team that has found ways to win. They're tremendous defensively, explosive on the offensive end. So this should be a tremendous game. Hey, Bob, they moved uh, what was going to be uh, tabbed. I don't know how much of a mud bowl it would have been with the cold temps, but they moved the game from Arlington to Tech, and certainly that can provide seating and capabilities for a lot more people to watch this thing because there's going to be a ton of people watching Center Grove and Cathedral coming up later on tonight. We saw what happened in their regular season meeting. Center Grove, they're playing well, had the lead, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, there comes Cathedral to get that win and to take it home. How about the rematch in the one-and-done semi-state? How do you size it up this evening, Bob? You know, it's just it's fantastic. You know, you, you almost wish that this was for the 6A championship game because it's, it's that good. Uh, I'm not sure there's a facility in, in Central Indiana maybe big enough to hold all the fans because, uh, as you point out, there'll be a, a tremendous, tremendous crowd. John, we talk about it all the time. Play a team two times, how's that second time go? And since, as you pointed out, was a closely played game the first time you wonder about this second one. And both teams are really, really good on both sides of the football. And it, in my estimation, goes down to that final couple of minutes, whoever has the ball last 
and can mount a drive and take care of the football has a chance to win. I have no idea who I'd favor in this because there's the two tremendously coached teams, uh, great football programs, and um, if you're there, you're going to be treated to a fantastic game. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talks, got you covered top to bottom coming up later on tonight with football. Semi-state results coming at you after 9.30 this evening. Bob, it's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and, of course, brought to you every single Friday by the 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. To find the one nearest you, that is CarX.com. What a spectacular season for Whiteland. No doubt about that. Long trek, however. Everybody's going to load up, and I'm sure they've already loaded up <laughs> on the way right now, heading down I-69 to get themselves down to Castle. So one of, if not the best, as far south as you can go with Castle and certainly one of the best we have seen in the area that is Central Indiana this season. How do you look at that matchup tonight, Bob? I just love the story of what Whiteland's done. I just think that, you know, they, you know Darren Fisher has been there a while. They've had great success. This is as far as they've gone. Uh, chance to play for a championship. Castle had to make a great comeback last week uh, to beat Bloomington South. Uh, I think uh, it's a Whiteland team that's really physical up front. Uh, they're great defensively. Uh, and you wonder about travel, but I think, you know, young kids, look, they're going to get off the bus excited. The adrenaline's going to start pumping. And so I think once you get started, all the worries about the travel go out the, the window, so to speak. So uh, a great team, closely played game. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I think it's one of those, again, uh, hard to call because they're very, very evenly matched. All right, Bob, Lutheran, North Decatur in Class A coming up tonight as well. And then you go down I-74, and I believe what you're going to have is yourself a humdinger. Ron Colley and East Central, two uh, incredibly evenly matched and, and, frankly, kind of mirror imaging teams. Both like to run the football. Both can grind you. Both can go out and get you with defense. And this is the type of semi-state matchup I'm assuming you want to see in 4A. And it should be a hell of a time at East Central down I-74 tonight. I don't think there's any question, John. I mean, look at the polls. Uh, one or the other has been added to the top of the polls all year long. Ron Colley, uh, you know, is a great story. Brand new coach in Eric Quintana, and they've just been fantastic. You're right. This will be this will be a quick game in terms of the amount of time. But both teams are going to run the football and control the line of scrimmage, and, and the idea is to control on both sides. I think it's a one possession game, uh, and again, I, as cliche as it sounds, I think it gets down to who might have it at the end. I think they're that evenly matched, and uh, I, I think whoever uh, wins this ball game, someone's going to have to play tremendous football to beat them for the championship next week. I mean, New Prairie and Kokomo, this New Prairie team is just uh, running roughshod over teams. Kokomo having the best success they've had in quite a while. But, you know, the power, if you will, in that 4A ranking has been right. uh, with Coke, with Chittard and uh, uh, Lawrenceburg all year long. Hey, Bob, it's funny, man. You mentioned Kokomo and the success that they're having. It's across the board, really. I mean, you look at the success that everybody believes that they're going to have in basketball as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not bad. Not bad at all going on there right now to be in Kokomo well, in yeah. sports, is it? No, not at all. And it's good to have Flory Badunga on your squad in basketball. 
he's one of the top rated uh, prospects in the country. And so, yeah, there's a, an uptick. And, and give Austin Colby a whole lot of, uh, of the credit as their football coach. He, he, he's been there, I think, his third or fourth year, has turned things around. His dad uh, was a longtime successful coach, and dad's on the staff. So it's a great story, and they've won uh, it played great football all year long. Uh, this is, a, as I mentioned, a new Prairie team who in the tournament has beaten teams two and three uh, uh, possessions. And so they're, they're, it's a great matchup without a question. You mentioned Lutheran, uh, and I do want to give them some love. Listen, it's a, a North Decatur team that they're playing. It started out the year with, I think, four or five consecutive shutouts. But I think all year long, uh, most people have looked at Lutheran as being the favorite uh, in, in single A, defending champs, and uh, they, they are very, very, very good. 9.30 tonight, you're going to find them across all those great Indiana radio stations along the line on Network Indiana. Bob Lovell with Indiana Sports Talk. These are one of those nights the reason why you have the gig and want to do the gig, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes it all worthwhile, quite frankly, John. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky to do what I do. You know that. I'm very fortunate. And uh, fortunate that, um, you know, everybody plays for championships. That's why you go out there and compete and you get a chance to be a part of it on uh, I like tonight. So, yeah, just looking forward to it. Can't wait, quite frankly. Have a blast, my friend. I appreciate you. We'll talk at you. Well, when are we talking at you? We'll probably have to abbreviate the week next week because of uh, what's going to take place on Friday. So probably yeah, midweek, something like that with you next week. Sounds perfect, John. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon, he's got the game call, 8 o'clock down in Houston later on tonight. The three-win Rockets, the seven-win Pacers. Chris Denary is again with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. I mentioned this to J.J., this is a legitimate connection that you see, don't you, between those high ball screen setups that Miles is a part of with Halliburton. You now have a willing passer who's an elite level passer where Miles gets the ball more than basically no time at all like he used to get with Brogdon. This is a different setup, and these two guys click together, don't they? Yeah, I think that's what we were all waiting to see. You know, we never saw that last year because Miles never had a chance to play with uh, Tyrese and and you're right I mean we've seen Miles over the years because of personnel when it was the two bigs he was more of a, a popping threat right and I think in that game against Charlotte he had three roll dunks uh, that uh, Halliburton found him so yeah it's been really good to see I, I think Miles it's the third time in his career that he's had four straight double doubles he has a chance for five tonight you know I'd have to go back you know through the years uh, to see you know, when maybe he's played better. But I think these four games have, have quite possibly been the best four-game stretch of his career. I, I can't dispute that either. Being, I'm pretty zoned in, certainly, whenever he plays. But um, Halliburton is a passer. So you come off of that high ball action, and he is such a multiple threat. On the pass to Miles, who's diving to the hoop, or a floater, or going hard to the rim and being able to elevate or pulling up for a jump shot. 
I mean, that is just something. That's, that's hard to deal with. And you see all these teams that are successful have a similar action like that between a couple that work and work nonstop. And I think we've seen that with these wins, especially the more positive nights, Chris, for the Pacers. We have seen that more times than we haven't. Well, especially when you've got then guys out on the perimeter that if the role's not there, you can, you, you can hit a guy in a corner. And the, the thing that Halliburton does so well is the skip pass, right? He doesn't just pass it to the guy to his right. He may skip it all the way to the corner. Uh, I think Nemhard hit a couple of threes uh, from Halliburton's skip passes the other night. But, no, you're right. I mean, you've got a guy that's leading the NBA in assists at better than 10 per game. Uh, I thought down the stretch he really orchestrated things uh, as the Pacers came back. I mean, think about it, John. Last year uh, they won five games all of last year when they trailed by 10 or more points. Through 13 games this year, they've already won four. So it's a team that I don't think really panics at all. Uh, they believe in themselves. And even if they get down double figures like they did in Charlotte, like they did at home against Toronto, they feel like they have the personnel that can get back in the game. And, and, and that's why they've had this early season success. I'm curious. This is I, I, like I'm, I'm surprised with the level of early season success. And, and I mean, consistently in games. Because even in games in which they get down, they normally come back, and certainly they haven't won them all, hence six losses. But, you know, they normally come back and kind of hang with it. Do you think at all there's a level of surprise in how quickly this team has kind of gelled early season together from those within the Pacer organization? you think there's a little, not complete surprise, but a little, oh, wow, this is even quicker than what we thought? Yeah, I, probably. I, I, I would I would have to admit that. I mean, I'm even a little bit surprised. In, you know, those first two games, you had chances to win against Washington and San Antonio, and then you beat Detroit, but you knew you were going out on a five-game road trip, and you were sort of looking at that schedule going, hey, where are the wins going to come? And then uh, they got those back-to-back wins in Washington and Brooklyn, and I, I really think those two wins gave them a lot of confidence that, you know, they could win games. And then they came home, I thought, you know, with a four-game homestand against some pretty good teams. I mean, teams that were playoff teams a year ago, they won three of them and probably should have beaten Denver uh, to make it a 4-0 sweep. So I I think you're right. The one thing that I've I've gathered, and and this is the advantage about being back on the road with the team, uh, is just how much these guys like each other. And I know a lot of people that say, oh, well, chemistry's overblown. I really believe this team has some pretty good chemistry. Uh, Just being around them, uh, we were fortunate to be a part of a, a travel party dinner the other night. Um, and you just see these guys, you know, they really enjoy being around each other. And so I, I think that's a, that's a big role. They all root for each other. You can tell that on the sideline. You can tell that on the huddle. I mean, I, I think to a man, they were super proud of a guy like O'Shea Brissett, who had been buried on the bench for much, much of the year. And he's come in and in the last couple of games, really given the Pacers a boost off the bench. So, uh, it's been good to see. Uh, I, I know, you know, the NBA is uh, is surprised. I get texts all the time from national people that are like, wow, you you know, watching this team is fun. So, you know, it's a long year. It's it, it, We all know it's a little bit of a short sample size through 13 games. But I think you have a feel, you know, for what this team, you know, can do. Now, you know, they'll come home, they've got four straight, and then they go seven straight on the road. So, We'll really know a lot more about this team when we get to mid-December. So, Chris Denary, the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports, Indiana. 8 o'clock, your 
coverage, I should say tip times, 8 o'clock coverage begins coming up later on tonight from Houston for them and for the radio side here coming up at 7.30. Um, I was going to bring up a couple of things. One was Andrew Nemhart. I don't think enough has been talked about, especially since Duarte has gone down. The role and the success and production that the rookie from Gonzaga has provided this basketball team. I don't hear a lot of talk about it, but it should be because it's been impressive. Uh, he just he just sort of flies under the radar. Uh, in the four games he started, John, he's averaging 11 points and shooting 61% from the field. But I think it's just more than that. It's more than the numbers. It's the feel that he has for the game. Uh, he's He's a better defender than maybe I thought he would be because – He's got pretty good size. And so, uh, and I think what, what Rick has done this year, he, he likes to have two ball handlers on the floor. I mean, that's why he's starting right now with Halliburton. And then you'll see Nemhard and McConnell play together. You'll see Halliburton and McConnell play together. So it's been really interesting. And uh, I, I saw Seth Davis talked about Gonzaga getting blown out by Texas. Uh, the other night, and he said, you know who they miss? They miss Andrew Nemhard, and, yeah. uh, and, and he's a guy that's playing about 20 minutes a game now in the NBA. So you're right. Uh, he just does so many uh, heady things. He took a charge the other night. I think he may have even taken two. Uh, but, he did. But he, he, did. He, has been, he has been, I don't want to say he's been a pleasant surprise, but when you think about how lucky the Pacers were to get him, they felt he was a first-round draft pick, and they – did something that really you don't often do in the NBA. They signed him to a four-year deal in the second round. That's how much they believed in Andrew Nemhard, and he is not disappointed. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think we had talked about this when he was drafted. I, I questioned, you know, having watched him, you know, full-time playing at Gonzaga, I kind of wondered in those higher-level athletic guard games, sometimes for Gonzaga, not all the times, but sometimes – there was a struggle, and I wondered how long that transition uh, would be made for him to the NBA. But you know what he's done, Chris? I mean, he just he kind of settles in. He doesn't get rattled. I mean, he just he just kind of chill out there, and he plays he plays at a pace in which he's comfortable, and you can just kind of count on him so far. That's kind of the way I look at it. He's he's a counted on, relied upon guy so early in his career. And he's just kind of playing the way that he did at Gonzaga. And he doesn't get overwhelmed or swamped by the athleticism. It's, it's been an impressive first month plus for him, I think, in the NBA from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, think about his first two baskets uh, in Charlotte. They were just sort of drives, you know, put the yeah. ball on the floor, hesitated in the lane, hit dotted line jumpers. And then that sort of opens up the game for him. And, you know, how impressive has he been? Well, Rick Carlisle uses him to close. I mean, he's out yeah. on the floor with Benedict Mather. And how often do you see two rookies in closing situations? And all you have to do is look at the last two games. Uh, you know, the Pacers, right now, they're the number one fourth quarter team in the NBA. They're averaging better than 30 points. They've got, a, a, the I think, second in scoring margin. In the last two fourth quarters, they shot 60% from the field in both of those quarters. And that's with two rookies out on the floor in Nemhard and Matherin. So, yeah, he's been really impressive. Like you said, he sort of plays at his own pace. He's very comfortable with what he does. He doesn't try to do too much. But I think as he grows into this league, you'll even see him become more dynamic as the years go on. As a shot blocker with Isaiah Jackson in year number two, how much do you think he can take away? 
from where Miles Turner, his teammate, at least for the time being, is as a shot blocker defensively in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit different shot blocker because he will he will block a shot with either hand. I mean, Miles is pretty much, yeah. you know, a, a right-handed shot blocker. Uh, Isaiah is a better athlete than Miles, and so he has, you know, his spring is a little different. So he gets to the ball a little bit differently than Miles does. But But that's why... With those two guys, that's why they're number two in the league right now, John. I mean, you know, Miles is averaging better than three. Isaiah's close to two. They're averaging seven. Uh, they had nine the other night. It's going to be interesting tonight to watch this game because Houston's coming in off a win. They won in Dallas. Now, Doncic didn't play. But this is one of the youngest teams in the NBA. They're super athletic. They've got Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. in the backcourt. They blocked 17 shots. Uh, Wednesday night in Dallas, 17 shots. Now, the Pacers had a game earlier this year where they blocked 15. So it's going to be really interesting to to watch the ball around the rim tonight and see how either team gets it into the basket because you've got a lot of shot blockers on the floor. All right, you got the first of a back-to-back. Tomorrow night you guys are at home, Gamers Field House against Orlando team. A lot of young talent, but combined with tonight and tomorrow night, you get seven wins, the same amount the Pacers going into tonight have as well. So the success with either team hasn't been there, but there is young, really athletic talent on both of these teams we'll see. Oh, there's no question. I mean, Orlando's without Ben Carroll right now. They're, they're young, but they, they had back-to-back wins at home against Golden State and Phoenix. So I, I, as you look across the league and the landscape, John, I mean, look at Oklahoma City. They're right around 500. They've got the youngest team in the NBA. Uh, you've just got to be ready to go every night because there's a lot of hunger. Uh, you know, this is a Houston team that will, I'm sure, look at tonight and think, hey, this is a game, you know, we need to win. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a stretch. Uh, it started Wednesday, John, 19 games in 33 days, yeah. 19 and 33 uh, the Pacers do not have more than one day off between games until, I think, December 18th. So this is, this is a pretty grueling stretch um, as far as the Pacers are concerned. You know, they will come home uh, with those two games against Orlando and then Minnesota and Brooklyn next week, and then it's off on, the, on that seven-game road trip. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that, that's, that's what everybody has signed up for. And, and I know in Pacers land, just – you know, gauging the, the, the fans, they're really excited with what they see, and they should be. This team is fun to watch, and hopefully they keep it up. No, and I fight this all the time because in the position where the Pacers started the season, and a lot of the conversation, Chris, was, well, it's okay if they play well but lose. And I, I don't embrace that. It's tough for me to do. I, what I say is I want to see these guys – get experience in winning as you mentioned with Andrew Nimhart closing a game get experience in closing a game and winning that seems to be much more valuable than worrying about what the hell and where you're going to be come June well and I think what what they've done though John too is is they were very upfront, and I think they've done it the right way they said hey we've gone young but these young guys are producing uh, Jalen Smith is young, Isaiah, Duarte. I mean, they're all young, you know, if you look at it. I mean, Miles at 26 is old if, uh, uh, compar- in comparison. Uh, Buddy Heald gives him a nice veteran presence, and so does T.J. McConnell. But the bulk of this team is either in year one, two, or three. And so 
this is just a group that I, I think, you know, continues to battle. Uh, they enjoy playing. And I look, I look at it as there is a blueprint for what they wanted to do. And, and they orchestrated that when they made the trade for Tyrese Halliburton. And maybe because of the wins, they're a little bit ahead of schedule of where maybe they thought they would be. But it's not going to change how the coaching staff and how this team, you know, goes out on the floor each and every night because they feel like they can win games. And, you know, thus far through the first 13, they've proven it. I mean, uh, you know, seven and six, uh, first time over 500 in, in nearly 20 months, I think. So, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, there's going, to be, there's going to be plenty of highs and lows. I mean, that's the way the NBA is. But I, I like what I've seen. Uh, it's, it's an offense that uh, they're third in the league in scoring at almost 118 points per game. Uh, that will cure a lot of ills. Uh, even though the defense, I think it's a little bit better. They still need to improve, as we all know, in that area. But when you can put the ball in the basket, it takes a lot of pressure off your defense. No doubt about that. Pre-game show, 7.30, tip time tonight in Houston at 8 o'clock, the first of back-to-backs in Houston tonight for the Pacers and then tomorrow night back here at Gambridge Fieldhouse against the Orlando Magic. The voice of the Pacers on Bally Sports Indiana, Chris Denary, live from Houston on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I appreciate you. I'll be watching you coming up later on tonight, so have some fun on that call. All right, looking forward to it, John. Thanks.